behind the scenes, 28. Transmitters? We don't need no stinking transmitters. This is Behind the Scenes, an inside look at what it takes to put together a podcast and make it work. Check it out. This is Craig Patchett, and this is Behind the Scenes, number 28. And tonight we are at the San Diego Podcasters Meetup in San Diego, California, at T.O. Leo's. I promised I'd give them a, uh, a free plug. And we're going to talk a little bit about the past, present, and future of podcasting. Where has podcasting come from? Where is it right now? And where is it going in the future? And amongst the people here, we have uh, two of us who've been doing podcasting almost since the beginning, or at least for quite some time. One person who's been doing it for a little while, and four others, I believe. Nobody else is. Uh, one, oh, you've been doing it for a while too. So two that have been doing it for a while, and three that are relatively fresh faces. So hopefully, between the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of us, we'll be able to provide a, a, a rounded perspective on all aspects of that. So I'm going to start out by having everybody introduce themselves and just mention how long they've been in podcasting and if they have a podcast already, where they can find that podcast. Well, I'm Adam Christensen, and I've been in podcasting for almost two years now, coming upon two years. So I guess I'm the other grandfather in, in the group here, as much as you can be that in podcasting. And my podcast is called the MacCast. It's all about Apple and Mac products, and you can find it at maccast.com. I'm Fran Adams, and I don't podcast yet. I've been planning something on perhaps doing some interviews and helping my wife. I am Deborah Simpson. I am podcasting, have been for about five months. I have two different formats that I use, the North San Diego Business at Large and Digital Marketing Diva Moments, and they can be found at magicinwords.com. And I'm Sydney Salt. This is my first time at being exposed to an iPod situation. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to hearing it all. I just want to absorb whatever there is to absorb. I'm Corby Kennard. I do a podcast on, uh, on horror movies and um, kind of the concept of, of what horror is. Uh, you can find it at thehorrorshow.libson.com. My name is Barbara Adams, and I'm new to podcasting, and I'm interested in using podcasting in a school environment, so that's why I'm here. Okay, great. Now, I'll start out with, with Adam and I. Uh, as Adam mentioned, we're kind of grandfathers in podcasting, or pioneers, I think is a more flattering <laughs> term. Yeah, <laughs> uh, We've both been doing podcasting for uh, almost two years now. And so we've kind of seen where it started out and how it's evolved over the years. One of the things that I've noticed is that podcasting started out as almost a, like a rebel cause. It started out because people were tired of what was going on with commercial radio and the fact that it had become almost uh, robotic in a sense. There were plastic DJs playing plastic songs with a plastic format, and there was all the personality and all the passion had kind of been removed. And so, you know, one of the words that you heard when people talked about podcasting almost from the beginning was passion and uh, keeping it real and, you know, just kind of putting the power of broadcasting into the hands of the people where the cost of getting involved had been removed 
removed. The learning curve to getting involved had, for the most part, been removed, and certainly more so now than then. And it just let anybody go out and put a show together and and let that show be heard. And so there were all this talk about how this was going to change the face of broadcasting and how podcasting was the new radio and and so on and so forth. And a lot has changed over the past two years. Adam, how have you seen things change? Well, you've seen the commercial entities jump onto podcasting, which, you know, so, so much for the complete rebel cause. I mean, you go into iTunes now and all you see is, you know, the commercial guys. So from the rebels perspective, that's a, I think a little bit frustrating and very interesting, but you know, I think it's still the same mentality. I think there's still among podcasters. If you go out and you go to groups like San Diego podcasters that we're in now, you still see the people that are really out there and podcasting are still doing it for all those same reasons. I don't think the the core reasons have changed all that much in terms of what I would call true podcasters, not not the the media companies coming in, kind of turning what they already had into podcasts. And you know, they seem to be using it more as a marketing mechanism where we're still really focused on the content and getting a message out and reaching a certain a certain audience and, and a lot of times it's a really much more targeted segmented audience you know we're not trying to promote our latest movie or our latest you know CD it's it's about reaching people and and really delivering a message and delivering some quality content we've kind of talked about a little bit about that earlier in the evening Corey how long have you been uh, podcasting now uh, I've been podcasting since oh, about December, so probably, what is that, nine months? Nine. Okay, so nine months is still, the podcasting arena was still developing when you got in, but it, it had kind of gone through its, its major growth spurt. So when you got involved, what was the thing that drew you? Well, the main thing that drew me was that there were so many people out there doing so many things, and yet I still found it difficult to find exactly what I wanted to hear. And I realized that in order to hear what I want to hear, I had to produce it. And I think that's one of the big reasons most people got into it, as you said before, because they got really tired of hearing the same stuff over and over again from the same people. They wanted to hear something new and interesting from a bunch of new and interesting people. And even though there's a lot of people out there podcasting who do a couple and then find out it's a little bit more difficult than than it looks and quit, generally speaking, even if people aren't on a regular schedule, you can find quality people to listen to on a regular basis in pretty much most of what you're looking for. And, and you know, you mentioned the, the majors and the, the studios and stuff getting into it. That's kind of a kind of a downer, like most things when it starts getting commercialized, it gets a little bit watered down and you get a lot of um, the sameness back that people are trying to get away from. But I still think that there are enough people out there and it's still new enough that there's still people out there trying to figure out what they want to hear, not hearing it and doing it for themselves. Well, you bring up a couple of interesting points. First of all, that I think over the past two years, podcasting has evolved in a way that has really paid off more for listeners in some respects than it has for podcasters, because the content that's out there uh, is so much more diverse and varied than it was early on that you have a lot of choices, whereas you may have only had one show in a particular genre before, or you may not have had, had any. Now, you're almost guaranteed that you're going to find at least a handful of shows uh, that are going to be talking about what you're interested in. From a podcaster's perspective, 
things have also improved in that, you know, when I first started out, there weren't the tools available that there are now. And so putting together a show, uh, even though it was relatively simple compared to, to going out and, and broadcasting, you know, was still you had to figure out RSS, and you had to figure out, uh, you know, how to get everything together. And 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 there wasn't one place, and there weren't books either. I mean, you had to kind of hunt around the web and spend some time with Google, uh, and hang out online in the forums to find out how to do it. I think you're the one who's come into podcasting most recently in terms of starting a show. What was the process for you in terms of uh, putting the show together or getting it started? I came in a completely different way. I love public speaking, so I came in it from creating audio products to sell in the back of the room. And when I realized, I don't know, I got this little f- program, I could wrap them up in flash buttons, and I thought, oh, this was so cool, till I saw how much memory it took. But I, I just thought it would be a really great way to market my business. And I'm in digital publishing, so when I created it, my shows, I created them locally. And people said, well, don't you want to reach out across the internet? And my goal was to sort of bring my brick and mortar reality based business associates into my cyber world. And the podcasting was one of the ways I could do that because I could do like we're doing now. And I could have the interview with them and then put the podcast up. And I also included a link to their website, gave them some promotion. And then they in turn would listen to it. I'd send them the link in an email and they'd start listening to it. And then they'd share that link around. So I'm using it to market my business and make me more visible. And now I've positioned myself as the expert up there as far as I'm the only one up there doing it. So I came in the back route. I use it with blogs and I looked at it as a way to bring traffic to my website to market my business. Now, had you done anything at all in audio prior to this? I started out by getting, I think it was WavePad or something and recording the audio to I created a home study course because I'm an HTML programmer. So I created a home study course that I burned onto a CD-ROM and I sold at the end of my speaking engagements. So I used the audio along with eBooks. So my whole reason for coming into this was to create product to sell. Okay, so you came into this with at least some experience in terms of recording yourself and, and creating a recorded product. As far as the jump from that to having that be a podcast, in other words, getting the RSS and so forth, was that something that you think would have been easy to do if you hadn't had the HTML uh, background? Did you find tools that enabled you to do it? What was that process? I think it helps having the HTML background, but I think if you're tech savvy, there's lots of tools out there. I mean. I use FeedBurner to burn the RSS, and I create the the RSS, the news feed things, and, and I have all my clients' feeds on my website. So, no, I didn't think it was particularly difficult, but I was familiar and comfortable with the web. Okay. So, four different people, four different ways of approaching this and reasons for approaching it. What I want to do now is I want to talk to the remaining three people at the table who have not launched their podcast yet, but obviously something has drawn them towards the technology and towards the ability. And what I'd like to know is, first of all, how did you find out about podcasting? And second of all, 
What is it about podcasting that made it appealing to you from the standpoint of, I want to get involved with this and create my own podcast? So, uh, let's start out to my right. Well, I didn't really think about creating a podcast for myself. I got introduced to it by going through different technology based trainings and uh, workshops and conferences and I thought well that would be really cool if I could do that in a classroom with kids you know uh, children I have found are really interested in technology and they love that and even so if they're um, shy talking in the classroom they're really not shy when it comes to talking into a microphone and so I thought it would be one way for them to become, how should I put it, involved in technology and also being heard, not only inside the classroom, but also outside of the classroom. So I thought maybe that would be a cool thing to do with them. Okay, good. Sydney, how about you? I heard about iPods from my daughter, my 24-year-old daughter, and uh, 25 years ago I was in radio and television, but mostly radio. Uh, I used to write radio commercials and voice them and produce them all myself. So what's attracting me is that it obviously is a medium, I think, for younger people. And that's what's interesting me. I think where I'm going with this is to somehow use my voice in a way that can reach people rather than do it through writing. Right now I'm in the middle of doing a newsletter and I'm thinking, you know, maybe I just want to use my voice. And so I'm not quite sure. I'm just opening to the possibilities of seeing how I can um, use my voice as a way of getting a message out there in some form of which I don't know yet. <laughs> okay, now that's, I'm going to come back to one point that you brought up, and that is that podcasting is a medium for younger people, because the average age at this table... Is old. Uh, <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> I, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not, it's not old, but it's certainly not young. Audio is great because it's audio. They don't have to actually see us. <laughs> well, we'll come back to that. Fran, how did you get involved? Well, I'm the oldest one here. <laughs> actually, it was through iTunes, and I picked up Adam's podcast as the first one and haven't turned loose of it yet and started listening to others. And I worked for a large corporation, and I thought, well, that might be a way where we can get information to our field reps, for instance. Information from not only our management, but technical procedures, where the guy can watch it if we do a video, or he can listen to it if we do it audio-wise. And some of these things I'm presenting at the office. And so far, the reception has been pretty good. We'll just see how far it goes. When you say the, re the reception has been pretty good, what has been the thing that people like most about it? Um, the fact, I think, number one, that it's going to be cheap, okay? And number two, that it's immediate. You can do a particular presentation in a very short order and provide it to our hundred people around, around the world. Uh, via the internet, they just download it and boom, you're done. You don't have to pay for airline tickets to bring them back here and train them. There's a myriad of advantages to doing it that way. Okay. So there's a, a wide selection and variety of experiences, 
the drive to get into it, the reasons for the drive to get into it, and so forth. And I think that based on other people that I've talked to, I think that's that's fairly common. Uh, and that's again one of the beautiful things about podcasting is that there are diff- a lot of different ways of of using it, and a lot of different things that can be brought to the table, and nothing that limits the ability to do so. Let's go back to age. <laughs> Because I think a common misconception with podcasting and and obviously with any technology is that it is uh, something that is only going to be of interest to people who are of a certain age. And from what I've seen in podcasting, uh, you know, that completely blows away that misconception because there are podcasters, uh, you know, who are as young as seven or younger. My daughter uh, was doing her own podcast at seven. And on the other end of the spectrum, you know, people in well into their 60s and 70s uh, who I've heard podcasts from. One great older gentleman who I think was in his 90s who is video blogging through YouTube that I've seen and kind of telling the story of his life through uh, video vignettes on YouTube. So the technology and the capabilities that these kinds of, of things offer is is not age-restricted. So having made the statement that, that started this, Sydney, why do you see that this is a media more for the younger generation? I think because they're more technologically savvy and so I'm on a huge learning curve right now for myself and when I talk to my daughter she says oh it's about about iPods so I'm assuming that there's a lot of gaps I have in my own education in terms of reaching people that uh, have grown up with the kind of technology that my daughter's grown up with. I, it's, a, it's a foreign language for me. So maybe that's really the clarification, is that it's more easily accessible, I think, for younger people to, to know about, and the learning curve is not quite as hard as it is for those of us in our later years. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's it. Okay. I can speak to that a, li- a little bit because I had a similar, I think, misconception about my audience and my show as it became more and more popular and it grew. A big problem in podcasting, obviously, is is knowing what numbers are and stats and demographics and podcasters talk about that a lot. And there's a, a company that's kind of focused on that, PodTrack, and they have this survey that's out there that podcasters can go get for free and you can have your listeners take this survey and get some demographics. So I went ahead and did this and I was really surprised at the numbers that came back in terms of age because I figured being a technology podcast, being that, you know, a lot of younger people are, are my assumption was more into technology than, than other age groups that when the age numbers came back, that I would see this large percentage in, say, the 13 to 35 range. And I was really shocked and surprised that to find out that the numbers came back very even. Yes, it was slightly weighted to that end, maybe 40%, but then across the other age demographics, it was almost even in terms of the percentage ranging you know, from under 13 all the way up through 75 plus. So I was really actually shocked to find out that even with my type of audience and in, in the, the content of my show, that it wasn't really heavily weighted that way. It was really across the board and across the spectrum. And I thought that was very interesting. 
One of, one of the things, too, I think that has helped is obviously in the early days of podcasting, the people who got involved with it were kind of like the, the geeks and the people who were willing to explore and play around and go through the learning curve and so forth, and which tends to be the younger generation or people who are in the, the computer business or so forth, which was you know the case for me. But as time's gone by and as the different aspects of podcasting have gotten more accessible through iTunes, for example, which uh, is, is on so many computers and the process of subscribing to a podcast through iTunes is so much easier than it used to be when you had to use a program that was specifically designed for use with podcasts and you had to copy and paste and jump through all these hoops in order to add a subscription. And as the ability to create a podcast has been helped out through applications that make it easy to mix in sound effects and so forth and automatically generate your RSS feed and you know almost to the point where at just clicking a button say something click another button and everything's done for you uh, and I, I'm not I'm sure there's actually probably audio audio actually will let you record and produce your entire podcast via a web browser so they have a recording tool. You can just you know go and sign up. I haven't actually used it, but I know there's podcasters out there using it, and it handles everything from the recording all the way through to doing the RSS and doing your postings and, and everything. So yeah, they were really focused on that. Okay, so so there you go. So the the turnkey aspect to it is there, and that makes it more accessible to people who may be initially intimidated, uh, and not that doesn't necessarily mean that it's just going to be people who are who are older, but people who are just in general intimidated by having to go through that, or just don't want to, frankly. And so, as podcasters, I think that one of the things that we need to do is be aware that because this is such a new medium and because it's gone through so many changes already and is continuing to evolve, that as podcasters, we need to be aware of what's going on and how our audience is changing and how the technology is changing and make sure that we stay on top of it in terms of the way that we incorporate that into our shows and just make it as easy for others to access. Because Often, if we are dealing with a show that isn't uh, like yours, for example, where you're targeting a corporate audience, often we fall into one of the things that, that is an example of this is that a lot of podcasters have failed to realize that the podcasting audience has expanded beyond other podcasters. And you will find a lot of shows who are expert at marketing themselves to the podcasting community. But by doing so, their numbers will inevitably hit a peak and stay there uh, because they've saturated that listenership. And so one of the things, as the general public becomes more aware of podcasts, and uh, Deborah, you were saying that you know in the interviews that you do, where you go up and ask people if you know you can put them on a podcast, these are people who are not technical people per se, and tw about 25%, you said, have heard a podcast. So that number may be small to some of our listeners. They may think it would be more, but 25%, I think, is a pretty good penetration at this point. But as these people, as this number grows, this is the audience for podcasts that we need to reach out to and that we need to not only market ourselves to, but also make sure that we are making ourselves accessible to. How does everyone here see 
the future of podcasting growing beyond where it's growing now? Is, is the future of podcasting just going to be something where the difference between what it is now is more people listening and, you know, tools that make it a little bit easier to create a podcast and access a podcast? Or do you see things or hope that things are going to head off in a different direction? I think one of the things that happens anytime you have any kind of new technology on the web is you get a big glut of people who want to use it. A lot of that drops off to the core users. Those core users develop some sort of simple technology, audio, something along those those lines, which make it accessible to more people. And then you wind up with the MySpace effect, where you get 300 pages of no content. And I think that what we need to do as podcasters is to kind of promote the idea of content over the idea of numbers. Because I think when you have that content, the numbers will follow the content versus just getting everyone to listen, everyone going, hey, I can do that too. And then they all jump on the bandwagon and do it. Then you can no longer be heard through all the draws. So you have to be very, very careful, I think, in not 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 promoting yourself and podcasting in general, but in trying to make it clear that content is king. Content is what's important. And that's what people are really drawn to and not just, hey, you know, there's all these podcasts, just listen to them and do whatever they're doing. So I think that's one of the things that we need to, we need going forward, we need to definitely focus on. One thing that I thought was very interesting, if I may digress for a moment, you said about corporate podcasting. One thing that podcasters can do as they get better and better at at their craft, because it, it goes beyond a hobby once you get a certain amount of people listening. It does become a kind of a craft. You develop some skills that you wouldn't have normally had at the beginning, is market themselves to corporations and things like that, where they can start doing it in a, and I hesitate to use the word, but professional podcasting capability, where as long as you try to get better and better at what you're doing, maybe you can start using that to promote podcasting, not just from the, hey, you know, I saw this movie, here's what I thought of it, to, so, you know, welcome to Sony. We'd like to tell you about our new features. And so I really think that's something also that we can look at for the future of podcasting. I don't think we should definitely want to go the corporate route completely, but I think that people should want to, if this is something that they're really interested in, want to take it to the next level and start being able to promote themselves as providing content and ability. Just taking off what what he said, I, I think there is a danger that it could become very commercial and, and end up becoming just another series of radio broadcasts. And I think that that would really dilute what you're trying to do, and certainly would dilute what I'm trying to do, which is to give the content and, and make it really a viable thing for people to get information from. I think that's one of the dangers that people have talked about from the very beginning, when the first hints of, of sponsorship and commercial uh, commercialism came into podcasting. There was a huge outcry from the podcasters that were had been around for a while saying, no, this is not what this is intended to be, and this is wrong, and so forth. And I, I don't think that's true either. I think that there's room for both kinds of podcasts to be around, but I do think that there is a danger of taking what podcasting originally was and and like you said having it become what it was trying to escape from so that's definitely something i think everyone should at least try to bear in mind this is an opportunity to to do things a different way even if you mix commercial aspects in 
to try and, and keep it real, to try and learn from the mistakes that, that radio uh, has made, and uh, you know at least try and take a different approach. That's one of the things that I don't know if you want to mention it, but Pod Show, what they're doing, and what I've heard they're doing. I don't have firsthand knowledge, but what. I've heard they're doing is taking things to, you know, there's all the podcasts, now they want to collect them all in one place, but it's becoming podcast radio again. It's becoming radio and they're, they're promoting it as internet radio type thing and, and kind of, again, diluting it, what they say is quality, but what winds up being uh, corporatization and kind of getting the sameness to, to all the podcasts and having all these corporate sponsorships that don't really apply to the podcast theme or any of that kind of stuff. And that's another thing we have to watch out for, taking advertising from just anybody to promote your podcast. You don't really want to take advertising from something that has nothing to do and turning off your listeners. So. Yeah, I have to agree with you. And, and back in um, you know the end of 2004, beginning of 2005, there were some great ideas being discussed on the Daily Source Code uh, about how to incorporate advertising in a, a fresh way into podcasts that seemed to have been left by the wayside. And I'd really like to see some of those revived and pursued, and because I think they were genuinely good ideas, and, and they added a different aspect to advertising that made it something more than just, okay, here's the part we need to skip past. So, you know, it's beneficial to the advertisers as well as the listeners. Any other comments? I'm just trying to think of kind of the initial question that, in my mind, what I heard started this conversation about how do we reach those audiences that aren't reached yet? And I think one of those that's kind of come up is finding new markets for podcasting. And I think the, the corporate training, the there's people that just do podcasts just for their families. I mean, there's there's other reasons to be doing podcasting. A lot of them started out early on as obviously tech shows because tech people were getting into it. But now it's branching out. You're seeing more and more stuff. So I think you're going to see a lot more niche podcasting and smaller audiences. I, this is the way I'd like to see it go. I'd like to see this content continuing to drive it. And the corporate podcast coming in, that's great too. I mean, I mentioned that early on, you know, a lot of these are showing up on iTunes. I think there's room for, like you said, all kinds of different podcasts. And I'd like to just see it continue to move in that direction where we find these new markets. I think the other thing that was kind of brought up that really needs to expand is, yeah, we've brought down a lot of the barriers to reaching new audiences, but we still have just barely touched the surface. I mean, iTunes went a long way to bring a lot of new audience into podcasting, but it's definitely not the end because there is this huge amount of people. My mother, for example, I could never really show her how to subscribe to a podcast. She's just not interested enough in it, doesn't care enough about it to do it. It's not that she wouldn't understand the technology or couldn't comprehend it. To her, turning on the radio, that's the experience she wants. She wants a device she flips on, and those devices are going to come, I think. I think there's going to be these standalone boxes where... I don't know, you wave a key fob that has the podcast subscription on it and it programs the thing and you're, you're done, your programs are on there. I don't know. But there has to be some additional technologies. We need to really turn and look at new ways of thinking about how we deliver podcasts and how people capture those. And, and I think we have a long way to go there still. I, I tend to agree. And one thing that you bring to mind immediately also is that make sure that if you have a website for your podcast, that first of all, you're mentioning it in your podcast. 
because a lot of people are coming in through iTunes. And make sure that on your website, you have something that lets some the visitors to your website click and hear your podcast you know, within their browser. Because there are a lot of people out there who don't you know, either don't know how to, to uh, subscribe through iTunes, don't want to subscribe through iTunes, want to hear the show immediately. And it is really easy. There's a lot of really good flash players out there that are either free or uh, you know priced really relatively inexpensively that you can just throw onto your into your page easily. And all they've got to do is they see a familiar play button, they click it, and your show starts playing. And uh, you'd be surprised at how many people you'll get listening to the show that way. Well, I'll let you know because I'm I'm laughing because I've done my show for two years and I put uh, a player up on my website last week so <laughs> you're gonna i'll give you some good numbers next time and i'll let you know how it how it affects my audience okay sounds good <laughs> i know that uh i know that at one point i was getting at least 25 percent of my listeners through people clicking on the mp3 links on the website and that was before i had a player and all i had was just a a, a button that says mp3 and and people had to sort of do a little figuring out on their own that if they clicked it they'd hear it and you're going to get a lot more listeners to a lot more podcasts when Microsoft incorporates some sort of podcatching technology in Windows Media Player. Because I know that, for me initially, I stayed away from running iTunes because I didn't want to buy any music. And I thought that's all it did. And so I stayed away from it for a while until I figured out that it did a lot more than that. It does, you know, to organize your MP3s and stuff like that, but also with the podcast. So... When Windows incorporates some sort of podcatching technology, that's also going to go a long way to promoting podcasts, unfortunately. Uh, and I say unfortunately not because I, I hate Windows, but a lot of people just don't even know that anything other than Windows exists. So they're the one that, ones that are going to have to really promote it. And unfortunately, since Apple grabbed it first, it's going to take a lot of pressure, I think, from the podcast community to get Windows to really acknowledge and start promoting that. My fear, my only fear is it will work great as long as they accept that the current standard is MP3. <laughs> They're going to have a hard time getting, I think, established podcasters to suddenly also re-encode their podcasts as Windows Media, if that's, what, if that's the way they think it would go. And I'm a Windows person. <laughs> I don't even do the WMAs. You know, it, they're awful. So I go straight MP3. Yeah, I would totally agree with you. I mean, Windows needs to adopt some sort of podcatching technology. And yeah, we, we would see a huge growth. But you know, just historically, Microsoft sometimes goes the wrong direction. They, they try and force their own standards. And they need to recognize that podcasting is already established under certain standards. And hopefully, they recognize that by playing by those rules, there's other ways that that will benefit them beyond trying to push their own, you know, their own formats. Sounds good. Okay, well, I appreciate everybody taking the time to participate in this, and hopefully, uh, I think we got some interesting feedback and uh, responses, and I guess that's it. So, until next time, this is Craig Patchett. God bless. <laughs> <laughs>